Welcome to the Cap City Church podcast. This is the recording of our Sunday message. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged as you listen to this. Enjoy. I was at a, I was at a wedding last night. Um, and what was, what was wonderful about it, it was a couple of really, really nice things. Is The first thing is my daughter, uh, my eldest daughter was with us. Um, and it was one of those kind of no kid weddings where you know you were invited and it was like it was not the the invitation wasn't extended to the rest of the family so you're very very selective but she got one of these last minute invitations in which she was allowed to come and it was lovely because she felt like one of the grown-ups she was there late she got involved in everything she was uh, by far the chattiest person at our table at the wedding breakfast uh, and the topic of conversation I don't even want to repeat because she just spoke about everything and she was so excited to be there it was lovely it was precious but it made me think goodness me she's she's getting older and uh, there's one of these problems I was there at this wedding and we were catching up with people that I've not seen since before lockdown uh, just just old friends people that we've not seen in years and and the number of times you start a conversation I, I, I don't remember the last time we were actually together and, and just going on and on with so many people that we saw like that, in which is like, I can't, can't remember the last time we were actually able to be together. And then to cap that all off, and I love, I love speeches at weddings, um, just for the I love speeches that are well-timed, speeches after the wedding breakfast, right? Much, much better. When, when speeches come before the breakfast, tummies start making noises, and, uh, and it's a much easier crowd when people are full of pudding when you start the speeches. But, uh, but you, you always get these comments from the father of the bride, talking about how they, were, how they remember when their daughter was just a baby in their arms, and, uh, and now they are walking a woman down the aisle. And, and all these things just came together and it got me thinking that the time is a precious thing. Is that time flies so quickly. I think even, anyone tries to remember what things were like back in 2019 and think of how much has happened and how much has gone past in that amount of time. It, it feels like we've blinked and we've just lost two years of our life that I think, frankly, we're owed back. The average life expectancy in the UK, and this scares me, I hate, I'm sorry to do this, but it's just so important for us to think about things this way. Average life expectancy, apparently the most 81.65 years of age at the moment. That is the equivalent of 989.47 months. That is 29,822 days. It's 715,743.9 hours. I'll stop there. But when you think about the fact that we spend a third of our life asleep, sometimes we wish we spent a bit more of our time asleep, but that's, that's the equivalent of, of, of over 300 months just laying in bed, doing not very much at all. It's 26 years of our life spent asleep. We spend 13 months on the toilet, apparently. Spend six years eating food. We spend four years doing housework. And the truth is, church, God, God has a calling for each and every one of us. God has got plans and purposes, good works prepared in advance for us to do. do you, can I just ask seriously, do you believe that? God's Word says that that is what God has for you, that there is a calling over your life, that there are purposes, that more specifically, that God has things that He wants you to do. It says in Ephesians that He's prepared good works in advance, 
that there are things in your future that God has specifically put there for you to walk in. And that, that should encourage us because it means there are opportunities that you are completely unaware of that God has called you into, that God is calling you towards that will change the shape of your life and the lives, uh, the lives of others. Not one person in this room is not known and loved by God. That you are made for Him to know and enjoy Him and to worship Him. Church, this is, this is not a small thing. This is huge. This truth, if you lay hold of it, and, and let me tell you, if, you, if you're up for, for a bit of homework, try it this week. Wake up each morning and remind yourself of these amazing truths. That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. That God wants to bring things into your path for you to do that will make an impact on the world around you, that will revolutionize who you are. If you wake up and remind yourself of those things, if you live with that truth in front of you, I am confident that your life will begin to look different. Church, all this being said, time is our most valuable commodity. Nothing we do can give any more time to the day. We all get the same number of hours in each day. And honestly, there is relatively little that you can do to prolong your life. You know, you can eat healthily, you can exercise, but you never know when your time is up. It's not a jolly or upbeat way to start the message, but I'm just trying to lay this foundation down because if you've got a Bible and you want to turn, I want to look at a couple of passages from Psalm 90. And there's just some incredible wisdom in this psalm that drives us to the feet of Jesus. I'm going to read it to you, Psalm 90, verses 12 to 17. It says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have given us, and for as many days as we see evil in the world. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the works of our hands." Yes, establish the work of our hands. Church, the psalmist tells us to take stock of your life. That expression, to number your days, I think is important. And that's not to literally sit down with a cat. I once got bored in work one day. I should probably not say this with people that I work with. I, well, I, that's it, yeah. There's a few too many people that, that work with me. Um, I can remember just, I was doing some legitimate work with some software and thinking, I'm going I'm to build a tool that shows me how many, how many days I've got left on my life and to kind of put, have a little uh, gauge underneath it to show where, where I am through. I know this is terribly depressing, isn't it? And I, and I built this thing and I was looking at it and it was, it was like, this is all I've got left. Like loads of it has gone. Like, if I, if I can assume that I'm going to live the, you know, the, 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 the life expectancy for a man of my kind of position and life in the world, then I'm like, I'm really halfway through, if I'm lucky. I'm like, this is not, this is not okay. There's this existential crisis in work. And the psalmist says, number your days, not, not in this way to kind of freak you out or to make you depressed, but the, the realization that time passes so quickly. And then when we think that way, it brings wisdom and value into our life. And, and the Bible longs for us to be wise about how we live, to think about these things. 
In Psalm 39, verses 5 to 7, the psalmist writes this. He says, you, speaking of God, have made my days a mere handbreadth. He's like, the, the, the days that we're alive, just in the hands of God, it's just from here to here. He says, in the sight and the eyes of God, in the, in the, in the sense of eternity, so the span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. It's something that we rarely do. We rarely stop and reflect on the direction of our life, on what, what we've got left and what we will do with it. There's a wisdom in recognizing that your life on earth will not go on forever. That there is a day when you leave this world behind and there are only so many hours and days and years in between that moment and this one. And the Bible warns us of the dangers of a wasted life. There's a famous uh, piece of work done by an Australian nurse called Bronnie Ware. Uh, who was a, a nurse who'd worked a life in palliative care, and she wrote this book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And she said, the second most frequent regret of dying people, people in the, the last days of their life. And she notes that almost all men in the, the experiment that she did with us shared in this sentiment. They wished they had spent less time working that they missed out on the things that, that really mattered, Fra uh, family, friends, adventure, joy, their children, finding purpose and meaning in life, time that was wasted that they never got back. The writer of the book of Ecclesiastes talks about the futility of so many things in life, this idea of chasing after the wind. The number of times we, we, we spend our days doing things that just don't matter. Like there's a, there's a, some of you have got this on your phones. It'll tell, me, tell you how much time you've spent on a particular app or a particular activity. And it kind of got me thinking, what would it look like if I had a, a, an app for my life that did that? Like how much time does Luke spend watching television? How much time does Luke spend uh, just, just doing nothing? How much time does Luke spend just wandering around without any focus or purpose? How would I feel about the idea that when I die and what is written on my tombstone is here lays Luke Moreno. He watched a lot of television. Or maybe more pertinent to my life this week, here lays Luke Moreno. He shouted at his children a lot. Here lays Luke Moreno. He wasn't very patient. You know, what, what would sum up your life if you just took the sum total of what you invested your time into? What would that look like? I don't want to get to the end of my life and having nothing to show for it. And churches, I think if you don't believe in Jesus, this is a terrifying thing. But church, even if we do, if we have faith in Jesus, if we believe in eternal life with him, if we believe in the promise of eternity with God, this should still massively concern us. Jesus told a, a story often referred to as the parable of the talents. And the idea that he'd, he'd given uh, individuals, he'd given these stewards something to look after, something that was precious, something that was valuable. 
And so often, I, and I've done it before, we read this parable and we think, well, this is, this is about those people who are given great skills, great abilities. And, and the problem is, is the, the translation, it talks about talents. And what it's literally talking about is, is a financial investment. And yet we think, okay, people with skills, you know, God wants them to use those skills. Just what if, what if I said to you, God has given you something. God has given you a number of days, a number of hours, a number of years. God has given you your life and says, what will you make of it? What will you give back to him at the end of those days? It's just in that parable when the master returns and, and asks his stewards, what have you done with what I've given you? Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good work. That, that your life is not just a series of events and then you die. That your life is, this, is not this, this endless struggle to find purpose and meaning. That as we submit our lives to Jesus, as we follow God, God says, you are my workmanship. I'm working on you. I'm crafting you. Your life is a journey by which I want to change who you are into something far more wonderful, far more glorious, greater than you could ever imagine. And I want you to do something significant in the world around you. You are being created in Christ Jesus for good things. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Time well spent is never time wasted. That we are to take stock of life. This brings wisdom into what we do. The Apostle Paul writing in Ephesians 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And the Greek here for, for making the best use of our time, and I'm going to struggle with this one because it is a long word, exagora somenoi ton keron, which literally means to redeem or to buy back the time. That idea of buying back the time, that you've got days, you've got however many days or years that God has given you left. And I think sometimes we need to remember that this is not a guarantee. That I'm there sitting and building my life clock, and I'm thinking, well, I've got 80 years, maybe 84, if I can have eat well enough. And, and none of that is guaranteed. And not even tomorrow is guaranteed. What will I do with the days ahead? Will I redeem the time. Don't allow your life to be hijacked by the things that don't matter. Church, if we threw away money in the way that we threw away time, people would consider us insane. Think about how we, this is the most, like no one in the world can buy more time. That no matter how rich you are, you can't extend your life beyond the number of days that you've got. You can't put more hours in the day, that you can't fight off the inevitable. You cannot buy the time off someone else's life and add it to your own. Church, it is far more valuable than anything else, and yet so often we fritter it away with things that aren't valuable. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, 
For those of us who have said, you are the one that I choose to follow. You are the one that I've given my life to. You are the one who I will listen to. Church, we should no longer have the same expectations out of life. We live in a culture that just loves to be entertained. We love entertainment, and there's nothing, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with entertainment, but church, when we make that our sole focus, I think so often you get to the end of the day and it's like, I just want to sit down in front of the television and watch something and, and, and forget about all the troubles that I've got going around. The problem is, is, is it's not relaxation. It's distraction. And we just want to be distracted from everything in the world. And God says, you don't, you don't withdraw from the world. The purpose of the church, the, the mission of God in this world is not just to hide away in a holy huddle and wait until the storm passes, but to get out there and make a difference in the world around us. And the reason this shouldn't be a daunting or worrying thought, because you think, well, what will I do? What if I'm going to get tired. What I, I like my relaxation and my rest in front of the television. The thing is, is Sabbath is built into the nature of who we are as followers of Jesus. That God has got no intention of working you into the ground until you can't take any more. That God's desire is to put good rhythms, good routines, good things into your life. That that balance of going, well, what do I do versus what do I get isn't a problem when we submit and we follow Jesus. Jeremy Taylor, who was a, an English clergyman and author in the, th- in the 17th century, this is a guy writing 400 years ago. He writes this, as Christians, we have a great work to do and many enemies to conquer, many evils to prevent, much danger to run through, many difficulties to be mastered, many necessities to serve, many children to provide for, many friends to support, many poor to relieve, and many diseases to cure. Beside the need of nature and relation are private and public cares and duties to the world. Here's a church leader writing about the struggles and the challenges of life 400 years ago, and he gets it. We're busy. Life is tough. There's so much going on. God has called us to be about the business of the world. God has called us to be about the kingdom of God. Church, the truth is if you follow Jesus, there are things that, 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 while completely innocent and of themselves, are no longer the right thing for you. Things that may be completely acceptable for others, but no longer for you. In Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul again instructs Christians to live worthy of their calling. Live a life that reflects who God is and what he is doing in you. God has plans for you, incredible things. So why would you waste your time with the trivial and the meaningless? I found this list by one church leader, and he he suggests these things. He says, pursue and grasp a biblical understanding of productivity. The properly understood productivity is not just getting stuff done, not just being busy, not getting more done than, than somebody else. Productivity is using your gifts and talents, your time and energy and enthusiasm for the good of others and the glory of God. That a biblical understanding of productivity will free you from lesser pursuits and help you focus on the ones that matter most. I think sometimes when we have that right perspective, we go, well, actually, there's stuff that I stress about, there's stuff that I do, there's things that I invest my time in that just are not in line with who I want to be anymore. 
The church, it might feel difficult to let go of some of these things, but I think that the biblical promises is when we get our priorities in line, there are things that we just won't miss. That as we begin to cut them out, it's not a difficult trade. He says, plan to be disciplined. It's very telling that when we are busy or lazy, the spiritual disciplines tend to be the first things that we neglect. Be sure that where you place your time, the context in which you read God's Word and and you pray, is that something that matters? Do we prioritize worshiping with our church, not allowing other things to take its place? To put off, the, the, so often the first thing that we put off is any meaningful time with God. Plan to be disciplined. Don't just assume that you can get this stuff done, but build it into the rhythm of your life and it will pay off. He also says to resolve, to constrain or cut out enemies of your diligence. Get rid of the things that make you less productive. There is no shortage of distractions. I'm a huge fan of YouTube, but I recently came across YouTube Shorts, and it has just ruined my productivity. And you'd think, okay, well, I'd often sit down and watch maybe a 20-minute video on something, and now I'm, I'm watching 10-second videos for like an hour, and I'll stop and look at the time, and it's like, where has my life gone? There is no shortage of distractions. And we need to cut out or significantly risk, and I think we need to make these calls ourselves, the things in life that will stop us from redeeming our time. Like if you can find time for an hour of just binge-watching something, how on earth could you tell me you can't find five minutes of prayer and devotion, five minutes of reflection, five minutes in which you, you give a phone call to somebody who's struggling and encourage them? And the, the, the good thing is, I've got one more point that he makes, but I just want to make this point really clear is the issue is it's not about finding a new set of things that we need to fill our diary with. The good news, the focus of of the gospel, the way that God wants to work in our heart is not to say, well, you need to stop doing all these things and you need to start doing all these things. You just need to swap your calendars for a different calendar that's filled with different things. The the great thing is, is actually what God wants out of us is not simply to switch priorities, but in all that we do. There's that, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10. He says, "In, in all that you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It's not simply about finding different activities, but it's finding a different focus for the activities that you're already within. And the, the, the final encouragement that he gives us is to, is to speak to people who do this well. Find people who know how to do this. Or be an encouragement or an, a person of accountability to those who are looking to. Like I've, I've said now, I watch way too much YouTube. If I say, well, actually, I need to be accountable to that, I'm going to say to somebody else, I'm going to be honest with you, every time you see me, or even find you know, moments when you're just going to text me and say, are you spending your time well? How much time are you spending online that is unproductive time? Find someone you can be accountable. If you're serious about change, invite somebody in to be accountable to. Just ask yourself, how much of what I do will count in 10 years' time? How much of what I do will will matter? Not even that, in in two or three years' time, will those priorities have paid off for anything? 
Jesus calls us to use our time in a way that makes real and lasting difference, both now and beyond our lives. So when we use our time, let it be an act of worship. Give rather than receive. Walk in line with Jesus calling for your life, that you would value others more highly than yourselves. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a generous giver. To, be, to, be, uh, to allow that to be true with our time as much as anything else. That when we give people our time, we give them the most valuable thing that we have. That we show that love. We show how important people are. There's a famous poem, and I'd encourage you to look it up if you've got the time, if you're interested, um, by a chap by the name of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was, a, it was a, an English cricketer. He was involved in the, the famous uh, match with the Australians in which the ashes were first created. And um, he was also a missionary, part of the Cambridge Seven, um, gave his life to, to, to evangelizing in, in the world around him. And he wrote this poem with this, this famous line that repeats and repeats throughout it. It says, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Church, this morning is an opportunity I hope it's not been too heavy. I hope it's not been too... Uh, it's, it's kind of just a, my intention is not to bring you down. But it is an opportunity to reflect on what matters most in your life. The, the truth is for some of us, it, it might not hit home. It might not be in line with where we are or what we're doing, and that's okay. But for some of us, it's the call of Jesus to say, what are the things in life that matter most to you? Does that line up with the things that you do? Does your time, does the way that you spend time, your priorities, do they match with what you believe matters most? Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more about us, please visit our website, capcitycardiff.org.uk.